Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. I'm glad that you're with us today. If you're new, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And we are in part three of our Christmas series. And in this series, we're exploring some of the different emotions related to the Christmas story. And as we begin today, I've got a tough question for you. And it's a tough question because it's related to God speaking to us. So if you aren't a Christ follower, you might say, well, you know, I'm not really sure how to answer that question because I'm not really sure how God speaks. Um, If you are a Christ follower, you still might say the same thing. You might say like, I'm not really sure how to answer that question because I'm not exactly sure how God speaks to me as well. So it's a tough question today, but I do believe that God still speaks. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances. And what we need to do is to learn how to listen to when God speaks and how God wants to speak to us. So here's my tough question this morning. When has God asked you to do something that was very confusing? So when in your life has God asked you to do something and you were really confused by it? And I don't mean you were confused at what God was saying, I mean, you were confused at why God was saying it. So he was saying something. You knew what he was saying. You were just confused at why he was asking you to do that. So think about that for just a few minutes while I share a time that that happened in my life. So about 17 years ago, uh, the leaders at Palm Coast Community Church asked me to quit my job and to come on staff at their church to lead their small group ministry. And given my background in counseling, I understood how I could possibly be used in that role to help people to connect relationally. Um, But I was a little apprehensive about the job for several reasons. First off, they said this exciting thing, said, listen, we don't have anything to pay you. So we would like you to take a leap of faith and trust that God is going to meet your financial needs as you do this. Imagine being in that spot. And the other reason I was apprehensive about the job was I've never wanted to work at a church and I've never wanted to be a pastor. So it's not that I never thought I would do those things. I never wanted to do those things. So my wife and I prayed about it. We talked about it and we sensed that, you know, maybe this is something that we should do, take this leap of faith. So we took this leap of faith and shortly after coming on staff, people started calling me Pastor Trent. And I got to tell you, every time I heard that, I cringed. I'm like, I'm not Pastor Trent. I'm the small groups guy. Like, you got the wrong guy. Like, please, you know, don't call me Pastor anything. Um, Just call me Trent. That would be fine. But people kept calling me Pastor Trent. And that really messed with me. Again, never wanted to work at a church, never wanted to be a pastor. Well, that went on for a few years. And then shortly after that, my pastor, my boss at the time, challenged me to pray about starting a church. And I said, listen, I'm still not really convinced I should work at a church, but I am certainly convinced that I should never start a church. No thanks, no how, no way. Like, I would never want to do that. But God kept pointing in that direction. And I felt like God kept asking my wife and I and some amazing people here at Epic to one day start this church. At the time, we didn't know what it was going to be called, but the one day start epic. And that really confused me. I'm like, God, this makes no sense. 
I've never wanted to, to work at a church. I've never wanted to be a pastor. I certainly don't want to start a church. That's not me. I'm not a pastor. I'm a counselor who doesn't want to ever be a pastor. Why would you ask me to do that? And God kept asking. And it was confusing. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Now, I'm going to get back to that story in, in just a few minutes. Um, but I want you to listen to what a young Jewish girl did. When God came along one time and he asked her something that was very confusing, we've got the mother of Jesus. We've got little Mary and how she responded when God asked her to do something that she really couldn't understand. So listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, it said, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And I love verse 29, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. In verse 30, the angel said, Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, put yourself in Mary's spot. So ladies, if you can... Like, what would you be thinking if you were young Mary? Like, what, what, what would be going through your mind? Would you be confused and disturbed? Anybody willing to say you might be confused and disturbed if, you know, an angel shows up and says, guess what, favored one? You're going to have God's son. Like, she's, like, confused. And so still confused and disturbed, she asks, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but now she is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary responded in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I think that is an amazing response. It's just, to me, a shocking response. Because when you think about what this would mean for Mary, this is a really big thing. So first off, she would have to go and have a conversation with her fiance. Imagine that conversation. So Joseph, um, I know we're engaged. I happen to be pregnant. And oh yeah, by the way, the dad is God. Imagine, you know, that, you know, how that went. Imagine then telling her parents that. Imagine telling his parents that. Imagine telling your friends that and his friends and then the, the people that you go to school with and maybe the people you go to church with. Imagine having that conversation with people. Imagine people thinking you have literally lost your mind. You've made the biggest mistake that, that you could have made in this culture, this time frame. You betrayed your fiance during your engagement and now you're going to lie about it and bring God into it? Like, good luck with that, Mary. So Mary would be known as the adulteress. Uh, she would be completely misunderstood. People would think she's a liar. She'd be known as the betrayer. 
And she would have to face that the rest of her life. And most likely, Joseph would break off the engagement. Now, in that day, engagement was a little different than it is for us today. So to break off an engagement didn't mean, well, let me just take my ring off and give it back to you, and it's over. You see, back then, engagement was a legally binding agreement. So when you said, like, hey, I I like you, and you like me, and check the box, yes, let's do this thing, let's get married. When, When you entered that agreement with each other, you stepped into a legally binding agreement, and everybody around the community knew that's an engaged couple. All they're waiting on is the ceremony. And, but they're pretty much married right now. So to go through a, uh, a break-off of that engagement would mean to go through a divorce. And it would be a public divorce for both of them. Now, for Mary, as bad as all that sounds, what would be worse for her, her biggest concern would have been death. You see, being unfaithful back then brought the death penalty. So Joseph could kill her. Her father could legally kill her. The community could join in on her public execution because of what she had done. So I would think that death for her would be a much bigger fear than just being rejected or ridiculed. But for Mary to say, May everything that you've said come true shows this is one amazing young woman who trusts God in the midst of a very confusing thing that he's asking her to do. Now, guys, let's look at Joseph's side of the story and put ourselves in that spot. So Matthew chapter one, verse 18 says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So he could have made this a very big public uh, uh, divorce. He could have really disgraced her publicly. But Joseph was a good man, and he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to retaliate. He didn't want to get even. He didn't want to pay her back. He just wanted to to end this quietly, as quietly as he possibly could. So he thought about, like, how can I do this? How can I protect Mary in the midst of this thing where she said she's not done anything wrong, and yet how can I not believe that she has? So he's thinking about how to do this. And then in verse 20, It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, guys, I want you to, to think about what this dream would mean for Joseph and try to put yourself in that spot, okay? So, so you're in this situation. You're not exactly sure what to do, how to handle this. You have a dream in the middle of the night and you wake up the next morning. And on one hand, this dream gives you some clarity. So if you've ever like prayed, God, give me a clear answer. I, I just want a clear answer of what to do. Show me what I should do. Joseph was, was in that spot and he got a clear answer. He now knows what he should do. But how does 
this angel showing up really change anything for him. So follow the, the thought a little bit. So he shows up, uh, the angel shows up, tells him, yes, go ahead and, and marry Mary. Uh, the baby's father really is God. And imagine you going to tell your family and your friends. Okay, everybody, like I know I was going to break it off, but I'm not. I had this dream and an angel showed up and the angel told me that the baby's father really is God. So it's, it's, everything's going to be okay. Now, what do people think about you? What do people think about Joseph? Oh, maybe you're covering up for yourself. Maybe you're the father and you don't want anybody to know that. Or maybe you're covering up for somebody else who's the father. Maybe you've got a friend that you don't want to throw under the bus or something. You're protecting somebody. Oh, you've drunk the Kool-Aid as well. Like you're going in to go for that lie and you're dragging God into this. Like, I'm not so sure that's the wisest thing for you to do, Joseph. So for Joseph to go along with this and to marry Mary would then mean, mean he would be ridiculed by his, his family, possibly rejected by his friends. He would be known as the guy in his community that would not or could not stand up to his wayward fiance. So this was kind of a big deal for Joseph, big decision for him to make. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And I think that shows why God chose Joseph. You've got Mary, you've got Joseph, and here they are in this very confusing situation that God put them in. It's not a confusing situation they put themselves in. It's a confusing situation that God put them in and God asked them to do this very difficult thing, which would mean they would be rejected, possibly ridiculed the rest of their lives and for Mary possibly executed. And they both said, yes, that's a confusing thing, God, but we will do what you are asking us to do. And I, I think that these two passages show us how amazing Joseph and Mary's faith and God was, regardless of what he asked them to do. Now, for us, let's, let's turn the corner a little bit and do some translation for us. How do we apply this to our lives? And I'm assuming, ladies, an angel is never going to show up and tell you you're giving birth to God's son. Okay, that happened. It's not going to happen again. And guys, I'm really sure an angel's not going to show up and tell you to marry someone who thinks they're giving birth to God's son. If either of those things happen, let me know. We'll get you some psychiatric help as quick as possible, okay? But what might God be asking you to do? What confusing thing might God be asking you to do? Something that, that you know what he's saying. You're just not exactly sure why he's saying it, and you're not sure what you're going to do with it. So maybe for some of you, what God is asking is for you to follow him. And the confusing part of that may be for you is that you're not a Christ follower. Um, maybe you didn't grow up around church, didn't grow up around faith. Maybe you did grow up around faith. You walked away from that. You said, you know what? I don't want anything to do with that anymore. And maybe you sense God saying, why don't you follow me? And here you are in this confusing spot saying like, I, I don't get that. I don't believe all that stuff. And if you're in that spot, you're confused, you're not really sure what to do, and you sense God drawing you towards him, what I encourage you to do is take one step towards God. Just take one step towards him. I'm not asking you to drink any Kool-Aid this morning. I'm not asking you to get a tattoo of Jesus on your arm. I'm just asking you to commit to take a step 
towards God. And here's what that might look like. For some of you, it might look like reading the Bible, like just picking up a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of our Bibles at the back of each seating section. Just pick that up and start reading the Bible on a regular basis and get acquainted with the God that, that, that we teach about here at, at Epic. Get acquainted with Jesus, watch him, him live and watch his great love for you and learn what it means to follow Jesus. One of the places I encourage you to read if you're new to the Bible is the book of John. It's found in the Gospels. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and those four books in the New Testament part of the Bible written about the life of Jesus. And so when you read about John, you'll be learning about God in the flesh and watching his love for you. And you'll be learning very specifically what it means to follow Jesus. So if you're new to faith, new to the Bible, new to that whole thing, I encourage you, get a Bible and start reading the book of John. If you don't have a Bible, again, take one of our Bibles as our free gift to you. If you would prefer to use an online Bible app, you can download the U version. So it's Y-O-U version. And you can do that on your phone. You can do that on your computer. And the translation that I recommend that you read is the New Living Translation. It's a great translation to start with. Now, for others of you, what taking a step towards God might, uh, what it might mean is coming back to church. For some of you, you know, maybe this is your first time in, in church in a long time or ever. And what I encourage you to do, if you sense God is kind of calling you and saying, hey, come follow me, I encourage you to just come back. Come back to church. Come back to a place where you can continue to learn about the teachings of Jesus and how to apply those teachings to your life. And some of you might say, well, you know, like, I don't really like Epic. Just not my thing. You know, a bald guy on stage, just not all that excited about. If that's you, great. There's some great churches in town. I've got some great pastor friends. They're not bald. And you can go check out their church. Um, we've got you know, Palm Coast Community Church, Parkview, Life Coast, Coastal Family Bible Church in Flagler Beach, First Baptist Church of Palm Coast. There's some great churches in our community. So find a church that you connect with and then kind of commit to going there so that you can learn how to take a step towards God, what it means to follow him. Now, I have to warn you, if you do those two things, other people might ridicule you. You might have people at work. You might have people at home. You might have, have friends that say, why are you doing that? Why are you reading the Bible? You don't believe that stuff. Why are you getting up on a Sunday morning? Like this is a first service. Like why would you get up early and go to, to church on Sunday? Your day off. Why would you go to church? Like you, you just don't believe all that stuff. You might face some ridicule, but if God is calling you to follow him, and you don't know what to do because you're confused by it, I encourage you to take one step. Just take one step towards him. Now, for others of you, maybe what God is asking you to do is to fully follow him. So maybe you've been partially following for a while, but you haven't been fully following. Like there's been a per percentage of your life that you've been holding back from God, and maybe God is saying, it's time. It's time for you to fully commit. It's time for you to fully engage. It's time for you to stop playing faith and really start living your faith. Like it's time for you to do that. And here's some areas of what that might look like for you. Conflict resolution is one of the biggest areas that I think that's, that should separate Christianity apart from every other faith system in the world. And that is when we engage conflict with other people, God says, I want you to resolve that conflict in a way that honors me. I don't want you to throw that relationship away. I don't want you to badmouth that person behind their back. I want you to go directly to that person and resolve that conflict. 
And the confusing part of that for us is many times we say, you know, I've done like everything I know to do and we just don't seem to see eye to eye. We're not gonna be able to resolve this conflict. Like, I guess I'm just gonna give up on the relationship. And there are moments that we have done all that we should do. But there are many moments we haven't. There are many moments where we haven't done what God asked. We haven't gone to that person. We haven't sat down in humility and tried to work this out. And maybe if we have done that, we haven't gone back to get somebody else to come back and help us do all that we can to resolve that. Bring a neutral party, a neutral person to come and help us resolve this because unity within the body of Christ and resolving conflict is so important to God. So are you in conflict with anybody? God asks you to resolve it. He asks you to do everything you can. Does that mean you're gonna be able to resolve every conflict? No, it doesn't mean we're, we're gonna be able to resolve every conflict because there may be somebody on the other side of that conflict that says, I'm not gonna do it. So God says, do everything you can to resolve conflict. But I have to warn you, if you do that, if you tell your friends, you tell your family, you know, I'm gonna go have a conversation with that person again. I'm gonna do my best to resolve this conflict. They might say to you, why are you doing that? Like, just throw the relationship away. You have worked hard. You've spoken your mind. You've done what you need to do. Just give up on the relationship. Now you can treat them any way you want. But if you're a Christ follower, God says that's not true. God says, you need to resolve conflict in a way that honors me. I know it's confusing. I know you don't understand it, but you need to resolve conflict. Another area of life that's a very confusing thing that God asks us to do, and I think this touches every person uh, who becomes a Christ follower and people who aren't Christ followers are real confused by this, and many Christ followers are confused by this, is how God wants us to handle our finances. So when it comes to our finances, God has a strategy, and that strategy is give, save, live. And most of us have a different strategy. I had a different strategy for many years in my life. My strategy was live, live, and overlive. And for many years, I did that strategy and wondered, why can I not, I can't seem to get ahead financially. Like, this just doesn't make sense to me. And for many years, God kept saying, Trent, like my strategy is give, save, live. Why don't you try me in that one? And that made no sense to me because I would have conversations with God and I would say, listen, I look at my finances. It doesn't work out financially for me to do that. And so I would keep on living, living, and overliving until I got to a spot where my wife and I said at our lowest point financially, we said, listen, God, this makes no sense. This is the most confusing thing you've ever asked us to do, but here we are. We are going to trust you. We're going to put your strategy at work and see how it works. And we did that probably 19, 20 years ago. And I got to tell you, it is one of the most amazing things that's happened for us is to follow God's strategy. Give, save, and live. So if you're in that spot where you're struggling financially or you're, you're confused about what God is asking you to do when it comes to your finances, I really encourage you to follow God's strategy and you will never regret it. But I got to warn you, there'll be some people out there that'll ridicule you. There'll be some people that say, you have lost your mind. There'll be people outside the faith. There'll be people inside the faith that will say, like, you are crazy. Like, do the math. It doesn't work out. Like, how in the world could you give money and then get ahead? You're struggling to make it with what you have. But God says, listen, 
my strategies are different than your strategies. My ways are different than your ways. And if you'll trust me, I'll prove to you that my strategy works better than your strategy. So if you're interested in learning about that, we've got a class. It's a phenomenal class. It's called Financial Peace University. It's a great small group experience where you can learn how to live by God's strategy and how God's strategy can free you up financially. We've got one of those coming up in the spring. I encourage you to take that if you haven't. Now, there could be any number of things that God asks us to do that's confusing. So maybe um, you've got some friends uh, maybe you've got some coworkers that are involved in some things that you know don't honor God and God's asking you not to do that. And the thing that's confusing to you is you look around at everybody and you're like, everybody else is doing it. And God says, yeah, but I don't want you involved in that. Or maybe um, there's this tension in your life where God says, listen, I don't want you engaged in premarital intimacy or extramarital intimacy. And yet we look around the world and we say, everybody else is doing that. And God says, I know, I know that's confusing but I'm asking you not to do that. Or maybe you're in a spot where everything is kind of going wrong in your life. Like here you are, you're, you're trying to follow God, you're, you're, you're trying to put him first, and it just doesn't seem to be working out well for you right now. And you're in this very confusing spot, tempted to walk away from your faith, and God says, what are you gonna do in this very confusing moment? Are you gonna push through and trust me or are you gonna walk away and trust just yourself? So there can be any number of things that, that God asks us to do in moments that are very confusing. And the big question is, what are we gonna do in those moments? We're we gonna be like Mary? We're we gonna be like Joseph? We're we gonna say, listen, we don't get it, we don't understand it, it's confusing, but we're gonna take a step towards you. And we're gonna trust you in this moment. So in a minute, our worship team's gonna close us out with a song called Surrender. This is a song that God used in my life about 16 years ago, and it surrounded the whole pastor thing for me. So getting back into my story at the beginning of, of this message. So about 16 years ago, I was at a men's event called Promise Keepers. Anybody familiar with Promise Keepers? Number of you? All right. So I started going to that when um, uh, my wife and I had been married uh, just a year, I think. Um, so back in 1994, I think it was the first time uh, that, um, that I went to that. And um, by the way, if, I don't know if my wife's in here. Happy anniversary. Tomorrow's our anniversary. 24 years. So um, a year into that, uh, I went to this men's conference. Um, and I started going to that conference for like 14 years. And about 16 years ago, I'm at this conference and I'm there with about 30 guys from our church. And on the first night of the event, the main communicator asks all the pastors to come down to the main floor so they can be prayed for. I already told you how I felt about being a pastor. So I'm sitting in the seat with 30 of our guys and I'm sitting like this, I'm not going down. I told God, I'm not going down. I'm sitting right here, I'm not going down. So I sat there. And I had 30 of our guys wondering, why is my pastor not going down? So to get them off my back, I went down. And I went down like a four-year-old who's been sent to the room. So I'm stomping down the stairs, and I'm having this conversation with God, and I'm saying, God, I, I don't want to come down here. I, I don't want to embrace this pastor thing. You know I've never wanted to do this. Like, why would you ask me to do this? This is the most confusing thing you've ever asked me to do. But here I am. I'm on the floor. I'm down here. Are you happy? And while I was down there, 
This song was playing, Surrender. And I sensed God whisper to me, Trent, do you hear this song? It's called Surrender. And I need you to surrender your plans for my plans, your will for my will. I need you to trust me that just maybe I got a better plan than you do. Just maybe. Will you trust me with that one? And then I turned around and I looked back up at the guys that were from my church in the stands. And as I'm looking at them, I I sense God whispering to me, look at those guys. Those guys up there, they're looking to you as, as their pastor. So they need you to lead them. They need you to help them overcome some of the things that you're struggling with overcoming. So Trent, will you get over yourself? Will you surrender? And will you be their pastor? So on the floor, with thousands of guys praying for us pastors, I pulled out my little white flag. And I said, I surrender. And I took a step towards trusting God in that moment and embracing more of what it meant for me to be a pastor. Now, over the past 17 years, when I look back at that, I'm amazed at what God has done over the past 17 years. God has, has allowed me the privilege of observing some amazing things from when somebody comes new to church, somebody comes in and is like, I don't know that I should be here. I don't really want to be here, but I'm here. And at the end of the service, they go, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought. I think I'll come back next week. And then they come back next week. And then I watch them come back on a regular basis. And I watch uh, the cold iceberg that they have towards faith, towards God start to melt. And I watch their shoulders drop. And I watch them lean in. And one day, this has happened many times, one day I watch them say, you know what? I surrender. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I got to tell you, that'll never get old for me. I just had the privilege of doing that a couple of weeks ago, leading somebody into an eternal relationship with the creator of the universe. And that is an awe-inspiring moment for me when somebody says, I surrender, I'm in, I need Jesus, I want him. And then I often have the privilege of introducing them to God. Wow. And I think if God's plan is to use a bumbling idiot like me for that to happen, wow, who am I to get in God's way? So what might God be asking you to do? That makes no sense. You can't figure it out. You can't do the math and make it work. Will you be like Mary? Will you be like Joseph? Will you raise your white flag? And when you say, I surrender, and I'm gonna take one more step in your direction. So would you stand with me? Let's pray and sing. God, it's amazing to to read the story of Mary and the story of Joseph and to watch them wrestle with this very confusing thing that you asked them to do. Again, it wasn't something they put themselves into. It was something that you put them into. And God, you come along all the time in our lives and you do ask us to do some very confusing things, some things that we look around at the world around us and say, well, well, nobody else is doing that or everybody else is doing that. And, and you say, listen, I'm asking you to do something that's confusing. I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to take another step of faith towards me. I'm asking you to surrender 
Your will for my will, your plan for my plan. My plan's always better than your plan. So Lord, I'm not exactly sure how you're speaking today, but I am confident you are speaking. You're speaking to everybody in in a unique way for them. And you're asking every person here to take one step towards you, to trust you with something that seems confusing, to, to raise their white flag and say, you know what, Lord, in this moment, I surrender. I surrender to what you have for me and I'm gonna take a step towards you. So Lord, I pray that that here today in this moment, that symbolically there would be little white flags flying all over the room. That all of us would say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that thing that you've asked me to do. I, it doesn't make sense, I can't figure it out, but I'm going to trust you. So Lord, this morning, we surrender. We surrender to you, we surrender to your, to your plans. Give us boldness as we take that step in your direction. In Jesus' name, amen.